we, so as we are uh, almost out of this, our month of rebellion here in the U.S., I uh, wanted to turn to the Psalms for wisdom today. So a simple, short psalm, but it's going to be, like I said, full of wisdom, full of warning, uh, what it means for a believer, what it means for a non-believer, and that is Psalm 1. So, Psalm 1. <clears throat> the first three verses of this, they tell of what it is to be to be blessed, to be in the righteousness of Christ. The last three tell of the character and the destination of the wicked. So basically, we're looking at those who serve the Lord and those who don't. So I'm going to read the psalm real quick here, and then we're going to uh, go through it. Not a long psalm. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, just as a quick glance over, we would, we would take note that there's no middle ground here, obviously. It's talking about choosing the Lord or not, and the eternal repercussions that occur in there. Now, I just want to focus on the first three verses today, though. Um, I don't know that we'll even cover the, the last three uh, next week. But I want to focus on who the believer is, who would God, who God would have them be? So in that first verse where it says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor, the, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So we see where the blessed believer is oddly enough here described using negatives. You okay, Tom? <laughs> He's oddly enough described using negatives. Um, the journey in God's way is described here not in the wicked directions of men. So this is because of the associations that we used to have that we don't have anymore when we come to God. You know, the Hebrew word that's used here uh, for blessed is esher. And it doesn't kind of mean what we think it would mean. It's more of a happiness a contentment of where you're at with God. That's why when it talks of the blessed person here, it's not something that's only available for scholars, for pastors, for rich people, for kings. It's for us, for sinners. And though this is talking about a sinner, somebody who is saved and washed in the blood, this is somebody who's alive in the Spirit, somebody who has been renewed. So they're in grace, they're in the family of God, and they're no longer running with the rebellious people or ways that they used to. So they don't do these certain things anymore. As the, as the psalm is saying here, they won't walk in, they won't stand in, they won't sit in these old sinful ways. 
Not to say that they would never sin again, but that they are not in those directly uh, paths of them, those direct paths. Because this is a change of thought, and it's a change of behavior, and it's a change of where you belong. So the godly and the ungodly behave differently. Excuse me. They behave differently. They belong differently. They think differently. That's what this is implying here in this psalm. Because it's also implying discernment. Because in order to differentiate between these things, you have to be capable of doing that, right? Many people don't always do this. What I mean is they don't discern sometimes. So they'll, they'll hear things that the world is telling them on how different ideas or different thoughts must be done. And they'll just go with it. Instead of just taking this, a quick second to think, is what they're asking me to think or go along with, is this godly? That's all it takes is that split second. And there's a lot of modern thoughts that don't fall into that. And we say that they're modern, but we have the same problems that ancient Rome had, uh, that the ancient world had. Nothing is new under the sun. We just think it is every time somebody comes up with an idea. But it's all stuff that's been rehashed before. And it's the same thing in the churches. The churches are having these issues because they don't take just a split second to just say, let's go to the Scriptures and let's see if what we're espousing, is it biblical? That would solve a lot of issues. So, this even goes to emotions. Um, there, are, there is, of course, certain faiths out there who will say that your truth should be found in your emotions and how you feel about something. But yet we know that Scripture talks of the heart capable of being wicked. So, obviously, our heart is not where we go to for truth. We go to the Scriptures. That's where we go. That's where our godly counsel is because the Word was given to us for a reason. It wasn't just to sit on our mantle. It was to guide our lives. And sometimes we'll also get in the habit of maybe when we hear these ideas, when we hear these things that the world wants us to do, where we just pray on it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but we were not given just prayer. We are to pray on things and we are to go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. Because sometimes I might pray for something to happen in my life and I might really want it. And that might not be what God has for me because of such and such. I wouldn't know unless I go into His Word and see how it is the mind of God works. See what He wants for our lives. That's why it's so important. Psalm 16, a little bit later on here, uh, verse 11 says, says, you will show me the path of life. So God will show us the path of life. That's why, as this psalm says, we are not standing in the path of sinners. And what that means is not that you're in their way. It's that you're in the same road that they are. In the same lane, going the same direction as them. Matthew 7, 13-14, which is quoted all the time, really talks about this. And we say it a lot, but it's true. Where it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the, narrow, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. 
and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few that find it. So there is a road to destruction and there's a road to life. That's what God is telling us. That's what Jesus Christ told us. That's why, as this psalm is saying, that we don't even sit with the scoffers. Now, that when you just read this, you might not completely understand what it's saying. And sometimes you have to go to the Greek a little bit on some of these. But basically, the scoffer is somebody who is not just being in general scoffing at things, but somebody who is like that directly about God. Somebody who is like that about the ideas of sin, about eternity and hell and heaven, about just the general idea of God. Somebody who sits there and says, oh, you silly Christian, wasting your time every Sunday and then every evening or whatever it is that you read your Bible. Isn't there something better that you can do with your life? That's somebody who's scoffing. Oh, you get your ideals from that ancient bronze book. You'll hear that all the time. That's a scoffer. They are scoffing at God. That's who the psalm is talking about here. And that is the last place, obviously, a believer would ever be. I mean, I, I don't know how you could. They're very counter to each other. Instead, we are to be proud to follow Jesus Christ. Don't ever, ever be ashamed to follow God. That's a bad place to be in. So note the progression that happens in this just this first verse of the psalm, though, where we see walk, stand, sit. We see counsel, path, scoff. We see something going on because we see ungodly, we see sinners, then we see scornful. There is something happening here because when you live in sin purposefully, not that you live perfectly because nobody's ever going to, but when you live in sin, uh, when you sin purposefully, you go from bad to worse. It's very easy to do. You've probably seen it at times of, of people in your life. So you start with walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That's where people start whispering in your ears. That's where you start listening to the world. What, how, what, how a Christian to them should act. Not what the Bible says. Not what God has laid down for us. And you become accustomed to this. And then all of a sudden you're in the path. You're standing in the path. You've left Christ's path. You're in the world's. And then at the culmination, according to what this Scripture says, you are so far down this path now that you are tempting others and teaching others with your scorn of, of God. So it's, sin is dangerous in this aspect. Sin is dangerous in all aspects. But it's dangerous and shown here because it progresses. It's like trying a little bit of a drug. And then all of a sudden, you need a little bit more. And then you need a little bit more because the high is just not the same anymore. And then all of a sudden, it has completely corrupted you. It has taken ownership of you, and it is who you are. That's the warning that's going on here of, of who a believer should be and shouldn't be. <clears throat> so, verse 2 here. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, we might see some of this, and it might be a little confusing because we just went through a whole book talking about how we don't need the law for salvation, right? We just went through months of that. 
But what we see here is one, we see a positive description of the believer now because we started with the negative. We see a positive description, somebody who loves the law of the Lord. Now, in the Psalms, this was written a long time ago. When they say the law of the Lord, sometimes they do mean the actual Ten Commandments. But some, a lot of times in the psalm, it's talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is a totality. That's what it's speaking of a lot of the times. So even if we were talking about the law, though, this is be talking to somebody who is now not under the curse, not under the condemnation of the law. This is somebody who is now in it, per se. And so it's saying that the believer delights to be in the Word of God. The believer meditates in it, reads it, thinks on it, takes it with them all day long. That's what it's saying here. And so what it comes down to when we, when we start talking about something very direct like this, and it's something that I have to do with myself as well, is what excites you personally? What excites you? What makes you happy? And you start putting things on a tier you know, it's just something you might naturally do as you're thinking about something like that. And really what it ends up being is a personal test. It's a personal test of, you know, was the things that you were thinking of, were they just pleasurable things, things of the flesh, food, drink, uh, fornication, money, idolatry, things like this? Was it something like family and friends? That's a little better, right? We're going in the right direction. But that's not what's said here. What's said here is that the righteous delight in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord. They delight in it. They're happy to read it. Because in it is all that we need for life. You can see, you go into Walmart and look on the bookshelf, you're going to see a million self-help books. Right? You're going to see a million of those. You don't actually need those. The word of God is there for us to guide us. Word of God is there. You don't need Ann Landers or Dear Abby to figure out what to do in your next move. Now, luckily, my wife doesn't appear to be sitting here because I'm not sure if she knows who those two people are. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure if they're still even writing anymore. But either way, so we love the Word of God in, on our good days. And we love the Word of God on our bad days because everybody has both of those. So... A lot of people will sit and they will say, but I don't walk in the path that you're talking about. And they probably don't. They don't walk in these ways that the psalmist talked about doing. They don't sit where it says don't to be, not to be sitting. But do you neglect the Word of God? Do you study the Word of God? Because how, else, how would you know to do these things if you're not in it? That's how, how would you know? And not to mention, when we read this psalm, if you're not one of the ones that loves the Word of God, that loves to read the Word of God and meditate on it, it is saying that this blessing is not for you. That's what it's saying. So what fills our heart? I get caught up in this a lot. I err in this a lot. Because sometimes I'm just so happy to be saved that I, I kind of don't care about the other stuff sometimes. And that is a really wrong place to be at because there is more to Christianity than just salvation. 
There is more to it. So we are asked to delight in something. And when you delight in something, nobody has to beg you to do it. Nobody has to beg you to want to be in it. So how much do we hunger for the Word of God? Because this says that the blessed meditates in it day and night. Meditates day and night. So when the Christian meditates on the Word of God, what does it mean? Because what we're saying is that right after you close the book, you don't forget what you read. Right after the sermon is over, you don't just throw it out the window. Meditation gives us contemplation, godly contemplation on what was said in the Scriptures. What we read. It gives us godly communication because as we're trying to figure these things out, who are we talking to? We're probably praying to God saying, God, what exactly did you mean by this? So it's initiating communication for us. And it's giving us godly sanctification because as we're going to the Word, we're being filled by it, we're being molded by it. That's godly sanctification. So a lot of the Eastern religions which people have openly embraced over here with things like yoga and stuff like that, they will tell you, empty your mind. That's what they will tell you as you're trying to find your peace. Empty your mind. This is completely counterintuitive to what Christianity says. Because let me tell you, if you put a void somewhere, something's going to fill it eventually. So if you empty your mind, what are you going to fill it with? Christianity, on the other hand, says, fill your mind with the Word of God. Don't empty it. Keep the Word of God in your mind and in your heart. It is, um, it's a different way of meditating, let's be honest. It's not the same thing as, as the Eastern religions would say. So it was, uh, there was a saying that I saw where it said, the, the, Christian, the Christian's mind on how often they should be on the Word of God is twice a day. And they said uh, the answer to that was, was day and night. Those are the two times a day. So it's a lot to ask. But that doesn't mean that you're just constantly walking around with the Bible in your face. It might be one verse that you've thought about, one concept that you've thought about. It's not that you're reading nonstop. There'd be a lot of car accidents if that was the case. So let's go to verse 3 here, where it says, He will be like a tree planted by streams, He, speaking of the blessed, um, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever He does, He prospers. So this is talking of not a wild tree. Remember, Jesus has often spoken of plants and trees. Um, but this is somebody who has been planted purposefully by the Lord after what could have been a rough uprooting. Sometimes it is a little rough, leaving behind what we were in before. So the Christian is strong and stable like this tree that it's talking about here. Because it is near source of water, which is our God. Abundant, always sustaining. God doesn't leave us. And in that, when we are close to God like that, it says that in the proper season, we will show fruit. People sometimes get discouraged because they'll say, well, you know, I feel like I'm not showing fruit. It's not your timing. You stay in the Word, you stay in fellowship. Things like this, and the fruit develops as God develops you. But 
like I said, you are being preserved because it says the leaf will not wither. Now, when it says this, is this a physical thing that it's talking about? Because I've known a lot of Christians that have died. So we know that it is not speaking of the physical, it's speaking of the spiritual at this point. And whatever we do, whatever He does, it says here, He prospers. So if it's not speaking of the physical, then it doesn't mean that every Christian is going to be rich, that every Christian is going to be comfortable. You ever listen to a Joel Olstein sermon? Everybody's going to be rich. God's going to want a new house for you today. He's going to get you that new car that you wanted. All these things are coming. And of course, usually it has to do with how much money you give. So, is that the way that Christianity has historically been? I would love to hear what Joel Osteen would have said to those poor Christians who died by the lions in the Colosseum. You know, where was their new car? So, it is not always speaking of the physical. Does that mean that God's not going to do good things in our life? No, that doesn't mean that. Is it not true what it just said here? We're blessed as the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the paths of the sinners or sit in the seat of the scoffers. All those things are true. And sometimes we do prosper physically. Because let's face it, when you do follow the laws of God, not for your salvation, but when you live in them, a lot of times it does make your life better. I don't see how it couldn't. It's all It's for our benefit. So, but we are seeking the spiritual benefit, the spiritual blessing that comes with it. We seek that because we all know, some more than others, that this life is going to be over in a split second, right? Split second, it's over. It doesn't take long. So if it's not about the physical, and we are to die as human beings, it's for the spiritual. For the blessings that we will receive when this life is over and we cross the veil. That's where the culmination really begins. The culmination of Christ's work on the cross. You imagine that when we when we do cross the veil one day. You're going to see you're going to be overwhelmed with the majesty of God. You're going to be overwhelmed. I don't even know. I mean Moses couldn't couldn't even hardly look at God's feet. We're going to be in the presence of God and we're going to have saints waiting for us there as well. And we're going to be in eternity with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're looking for. That's that blessedness in Christ. Uh, the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius said something that you've probably heard in a movie before. However, it echoes really true. He said, what we do now echoes in eternity. That's Christianity. Because who you choose now decides your eternity. So he may, he may or may not have been speaking about that when he said that, but that sure is how it can be applied. So, God gives us, gives us choice. And in these, the last three verses, which we're not going to cover, you know, he tells us the character of the unbeliever, of where they go. But this psalm is all about characteristics. It's, it's all about helping you to see if you lack the proper association with those blessed people that the Scripture is talking about. And if you do, like we all do, then today is the day where we can make that change. 
where we can try it as best as we can, say, Spirit, help me do as the blessed do. Because God loved us enough to go on that cross for us. So God does want us to live as a blessed person, as a righteous son. Not from our own righteousness, but the righteousness from His Son. So just choose this day if we want to live like the blessed. To honor and serve the Son of God.